Hi, and welcome back to Loving Quarantine. I'm your host, Carly Shortino. So this is our 10th and final episode. This podcast obviously was always intended to be a mini-series, as it's specific to this extremely fun time that we're living in. But who knows, maybe we'll be back for the second wave. (laughs) LOL, depressing. So for our last episode, we're talking about weddings. Obviously, so many people's wedding plans got fucked up this year, sadly, and it's caused a lot of stress and disappointment, which is basically the theme of 2020. And I think I've talked about this a bit on the podcast, but basically for me, pre-quarantine, it felt like a lot of things in my life were moving forward in an exciting way. Like I was working on this writing job that I was really psyched about, and my boyfriend and I were in escrow buying a house that was so nice. (laughs) And uh, my parents had a trip planned out to come see our new house and to see my new life in LA because I had just moved here. And then COVID happened and all of these things exploded overnight. Like my job got put on hold and we had to pull out of the house and my parents obviously couldn't come here. And so a really hard part of this time for me has been just feeling like my life has become really stagnant. And living in a prolonged state of uncertainty is really uncomfortable and hard and annoying. And my daily refrain for these past months has just been like, what is my life even? Um, Which is kind of a joke, but also not. And so obviously I have a ton of empathy for people whose weddings were canceled because like talk about having this big life step that you're looking forward to that's then taken away from you. The other day, my boyfriend said something really smart um, for once. (laughs) Just kidding. But um, he said, life is full of uncertainty, and it's something that we're going to have to deal with at various points of our lives until we're dead, basically. And so if during this period, we can even get 5% better at dealing with uncertainty in a healthy way versus like flipping out and being reactive and blacking out in avoidance every night, (laughs) like I'm prone to do, then that will be really positive for our lives and our relationship going forward. And I think that's really true. So today I'm speaking with two different couples whose wedding plans were COVID canceled, but who improvised and found ways to deal with a situation that felt good for them. Now, obviously planning a wedding can take a year and there's so many tiny details that take up so much time and money and feel so important. But then when the rug gets pulled out from under you by a fucking pandemic, (laughs) that all that stuff can start to feel so peripheral. So what I'm interested in is when you're forced to let go of your plans and embrace uncertainty, what's left? And that's a big part of what we're going to talk about today. So here goes. Dating in New York was a lot of fun and it was, it was everything I wanted. And I remember thinking to myself, (laughs) right before I met Chris, I was like, I really want to date a guy with an accent. And <laughs> then I met him <laughs> and I was just, when we had that day date where we walked around, around Greenpoint, I was just kind of like, I don't feel like I have to not pretend like, I don't feel like I have to think about what I'm doing. It felt so natural and that's so cheesy, but it really did. We had like this really wonderful first date that I felt, and I think Chris did too, we had like been seeing each other for like months already. I think, and it was very strange. I think for me, it was, I just moved to New York city. So it was not what I was expecting in my first month of living in a big party city, you know, but yeah, it went very well. Um, and we really have been together ever since then. I, uh, I have a similar experience where, you know, people say, 
can you fall in love at first sight? It's like this super cheesy question. But when I met my boyfriend, we met online basically, and then we exchanged a couple of emails and then we talked on the phone before we ever met. And he called me and we ended up having a phone conversation for about an hour. And so we'd never met in person. And truly, when we hung out the phone, I was like, I feel like I'm totally crazy, but I think I'm in love. <laughs> you know what I mean? And then when it end up, ended up being that I was actually in love with him and it became really serious, I looked back on it not as a joke. And I was like, all the cliches of that you can really tell very early on, I don't think always that's the case, but I think that that's true. I think sometimes you do just know, and I think you're right. It's like, it's timing and age and like <laughs> accent and stuff, but it also, there's just like this chemical feeling. I have always had this thing of, like I always felt like I would know when I met someone if I really wanted to date them. And I was 30 when we met and never been in a serious relationship. And straight away was into it. So it, it really felt natural. We'd both get along really well with each other's families and friends. And there's never really been anything that's that stood in the way. So before all of this, what were your guys' ideas about marriage? Was it something that you thought about independently growing up um, as little boys? Or was it something that felt like you wanted to do it because of each other? Or... Or another option of not, of not the two I just gave? I think for me, I don't really know that I thought about it too much. Gay marriage wasn't even legal in Australia until after we met. Quite a lot after. I think it was only two years ago that, that they legalized it. But I think being together, it kind of changed my point of view on it. I think you also, just as you grow up and you go to a lot of weddings, you realize how amazing they are. And I think also then realizing what is amazing about the wedding is not necessarily like the formality of the ceremony or anything. It's just being able to be in the room with all your family and friends and celebrate each other. And especially being two people from very different parts of the world. I think just the idea of us celebrating our love together with all of our people from Australia and New York and LA and London, everyone that we know being in the same place just sounds so incredible. When I was younger, I think when you're gay, all you see is kind of marriage as like the end of a relationship that works. But I think when I first came out, I, I was in a relationship relationship and I was and I didn't understand how to be comfortable in a relationship because all I was, I was just saw like people in open relationships and I had such insecurities and all this stuff. So it wasn't even marriage. It was like, how do I just find security and safety in a relationship when the gay world is just like topsy turvy upside down? And then once I finally like released him and came into my own, I was able to understand like, there's so much to being gay that's so exciting and we're so um, evolved, be it socially or sexually or relationship wise. So it was kind of like find a relationship, have fun, do what makes you happy. And then at a certain point with Chris, I was just like, let's just get married because like, let's have that ownership. It's, it's, it's like a declaration of like our faggotry and like taking marriage and making it our own. So it kind of just evolved. Like you think it's one thing and then you realize it, you have to deprogram yourself to, to understand like marriage is what you want it to be. 
I completely agree. I feel like that. I mean, like as a woman in a straight relationship, I feel like even that too, because I have this idea of what marriage is from growing up and my parents who met when they were teenagers and have had a more traditional relationship. And everyone I grew up around me had that sort of same thing, meeting young, marrying young. And I think that there's that marriage seems like, quote, normal in a way that I always kind of rejected. And then as I've gotten older, I've started to to really actually romanticize the idea of commitment and making that public commitment. And like you said, being with everybody you love and that being so central to it. And I think, you know, for the gay community that it's even more complicated, like you said, and I know that there are a lot of prominent gay people who feel like gay people actually shouldn't get married because sort of for a long time being gay was transgressive and was like, quote, not normal in a way that actually is good and that should be kept because it makes like the gay community special and, and transgressive. And and that, but, that getting married actually buys into this idea of like boring normalcy straight people, you know? But then also, given that gay people are just like people, spoiler alert, um, <laughs> I'm sure marriage is attractive in the same way that it is to everybody. <laughs> So does that all factor in? I think the thing is like the whole idea of marriage, it's truly like, I, I mean, I used to go on dates with guys who were like, marriage was created by straights to like, you know, it's it's property. Like you're just like, it's so that you can like have your own property. Like, sure. But Jesus, you walk into Chris and I's apartment and there's Tom of Finland everywhere. We go to sleazy bars. Like we have, you have that gay edge that still keeps you grounded and like reminds you of like what your roots are in terms of the gay life. But like, it's just something between us that makes us happy. Like, let's get married. And like, you know what? We're still going to be these people who dive headfirst into living this like queer lifestyle. But at the end of the day, like we share last names because that's kind of fucking cool too. Like, I want people to clutch their pearls when they see us having shared last names, but also like living this life that truly is whatever it wants to be. Yeah, you're like subverting the tradition of it. Like you said, it doesn't have to be this one thing. I'm going to make it, we're going to make it our own. And so when you guys, you know, before the world got so crazy, what were your wedding plans? So we got engaged in LA. Um, in 2018, we decided together we wanted to get engaged. We just, we went to get rings together. We went to, we got a hotel room on his birthday in LA and we like engaged each other. So everything was kind of pointing towards like, let's do that. Let's get married in LA. Um, originally we were going to rent out this strip club in Los Feliz, but then we were like, we met in New York and I, you know, I love New York. I'm from there. Chris, Chris has a, a deep love for New York because of like our relationship and we live there. Um, I have like a personal obsession with like New York in the seventies, kind of that, that gay world that existed in the meatpacking district in the West village and fire Island. And our favorite bar is Julius in the West village, which is the oldest gay bar in um, Manhattan. So we were like, how cool would it be just to, like rent that place out, turn it into the like club of our dreams and just have like, you know, a party till 4 a.m., open bar, the the grill where they make burgers going all night. You know, boys handing out poppers, boy, boys handing out cigarettes. So, and I think that the plan for us was always putting together a kind of guide to our New York, all the places we went on dates to, all of our favorite bars. Like um, closed down bar, like closed, like I included like closed down leather bars so people could see like history of gay New York and all this stuff. Because like, you know, it's very important to me because that's like a lost history so like for instance like our save the dates 
are a drawing of Julius someone did in the 70s and it's all these dudes hanging out in Julius line drawing and it just says like the date our names and like New York City and it just so happens that all of their dicks were out um and, <laughs> and my family loved it and it, that was just very important to us yeah dude like oh that part of New York is so magical and beautiful and has so much history first of all I I actually just moved to LA pretty, I was bi-coastal for a while, but I just moved pretty recently, gave up my apartment in the West Village. And I actually lived really near, near Julius. I lived um, like kind of between Julius and Stonewall, basically, like in the epicenter of gay history. And it's, it's uh, the, you know, there's a lot of monuments to it now, but like you said, a lot of these gay bars are closing, but it's still, it is still this place in New York where you walk outside and there's like drag performers in the street smoking it. 4 a.m. The authenticity of it is still there to an extent. Do you know what I mean? The West Village in particular, I think is just, for me, it's probably my favorite place in the world. I just think it's so magical and special. And I mean, the history there is incredible, but also just the fact that you can go to Julius and you can sit at the bar and you're surrounded by these guys that have been going there for years and years and years, older guys, and you can chat to everyone, everyone's friendly and lovely. I, it's so special. Yeah. I, I just don't know anywhere else in the world where I feel yeah. that same kind of gay energy. And a huge, a huge, huge part of it for me, the bars that did close and, and like the sex clubs that did close in the meatpacking district, like it's lost history. These men are gone. Like, you know, being young and gay in New York, it's like, sure, people can be like, oh, the West Village is like cheesy, but like, there's something so gorgeous about it and so poetic about the fact that like, these are these monuments to these people who lived and died and li and like, they had this amazing time in the late 70s that was the peak of, of the gay sexual revolution. And whatever I can do, I think personally, and this is reflected in like how Chris and I, like the art we collect and, you know, the books I, I collect and all that stuff, however I can memorialize it, I truly try to do it as much as possible because it's such an emotional connection for me. So I was like, if we can make our, our wedding be this beautiful dinner party, that's also this like twisted, perverted homage to like gay 70s nightlife, why the hell not? Dude, that sounds so, so fun and so personal. You know, going back to this question, I think a lot of people whose weddings were, you know, planned for this time during COVID and quarantine, it's like, should we postpone our wedding or should we do it now? Like, should we do a small ceremony or should we do something on Zoom or should we just like push this thing that we've been looking forward to so much? And with you guys, it's like, you're inviting your family from all over the world, not to just a wedding, but like into your life, into your history, into your the history of your community. I mean, I don't know, but it doesn't feel like something that would necessarily translate over Zoom, like from your apartment in LA, right? It definitely wasn't even a question for us. I think yeah. that we made the decision very early on that we felt like we needed to postpone it and you know, we're still going to be together no matter yeah. what. So I think for us, it wasn't, there was no question around it. And we were lucky to be able to easily yeah, push move, it, push everything. It's, it's just like, like, you know, Chris is from Melbourne. He has friends in Sydney and Melbourne and London. And I'm from New York. We live in LA. So to us, it's kind of like, we're never going to get these people in the same room ever again, as much as we wish and desire that we could have 
all of our closest friends in the same room, that will truly never happen. So it would be insane for us not to push the wedding in order to achieve kind of that goal. And I think that's what resonates so deeply with us. It's less about us and more about the people that we choose to spend that night with. Yeah, no, I I agree. That's how I feel about marriage too. I've uh, related to a couple of things that both of you guys had said. Like, first of all, Chris, like, I just love weddings as well. I mean, it's basic to say it, but it's romantic. This collective experience where everybody that you love comes together and is like, it's celebrating love. It's not so much to me about like the paper or the tradition as much as that, um, that kind of like family group loving experience. One of my favorite things at weddings is hear people say vows. Whenever people say like just traditional vows, I'm always like, wah, wah. like really? Like, aren't we here to see for you to tell us why you want to be married? The speeches, right? When people are able to like narrate and share all together, like why we're here. And to me, when, you know, sometimes me and my boyfriend will talk about like, should we get married or not? And it's like, I don't really care about like being married, but I do care about, you're totally right. What If we don't get married, when are all of our families and friends going to be in the same room? Like never, <laughs> your funeral, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's the only other option. <laughs> And I, th- I think that's just like, like my aunt is going to do our ceremony. My aunt's cool, man. And I look up to her so much and we both were like, that's who should marry us. So, you know, our thing, I told her, I was like, make it personal, make it about us. Like, and then our vows, I said to Chris, like, this should be our moment to like, just really go into each other and not in like the traditional sense, like, this is our special day, like really tell it as it is. And then we decided during the dinner, we'd have, um, like every 45 minutes, we'd have two people speak, um, close friends, maybe like a brother or sister. And I told them, I was like, you know, make it make it real. Like, don't try and like butter me up because it's my special day. Like, tell me how you feel and what you feel and why it means something to like us. And you know what? Tear me down if you need to. It's funny. Um, and I just think I think all those things need to reflect the person. Otherwise... It's another wedding, and I don't think that's what we want people to travel like 11,000 miles for. Yes. Yeah, exactly. It's like use it as a blueprint to do something that actually represents you. And I guess lastly, you know, as lockdowns lift and we are, you know, starting to be able to escape our houses at least least for a few months, uh, do you guys feel like that this period of the last few months has changed your relationship at all? I think it's been a really interesting time. I think Rob and I have been very strict on ourselves through this this whole thing. We quarantined early and we really haven't done anything. We've yeah. been together alone for three months and we really have had a pretty good yeah. time together. But I think we've we've stayed really close and strong and, but, and, and this, it's been this, great. This comes off of like, like for the past two years, Chris has been traveling every other week be it to American cities or out of town and I'm like working my ass off. So uh, we, we rarely were in the same place for more than like two weeks at a time um, for the past like two years. Um, So it's kind of interesting. Like I was living my own life here and like, you know, he's living his own life running around the globe. And then all of a sudden, like, you know, it forced us to sit down with each other. But, and then the best part was we were like, Oh, nothing fucking changed in the two years where you've been traveling your ass off. The relationship we felt so strongly about while you traveled, that's actually the relationship we have. 
Right. That's so, it's nice. You know, obviously this is the final episode of a podcast that we've been doing for a while. And a lot of what we've been talking about with a variety of different people, like experts and and regular people like myself, is about how this period is really an intensifier for people. And it's really make or break for couples. It, it highlights both your problems and what is working. And that it's so comforting to be like, fuck, man, this is a really hard time where everything is uncertain. We're really stressed. We're worried about our families. Our wedding gets canceled. And to just be like, oh, we're strong. And I think that it's, pro. It, I assume, feels even better. It feels, it's reassuring, but it feels even more, you're proud to be strong during this period more than in, in other times. I think also that, you know, we're, we're very lucky, I think, that we've been able to yeah. continue our life as is, you know, yeah. we're able to pay rent and, and we're able to eat properly and we're, yeah. we're together. And I, I, I do think it's a really challenging time, but I think it also has just made us really grateful for what we have. As a couple, I think it's going through this quarantine is probably the easiest for a happy couple <laughs> that doesn't have children. Totally. And like, yeah. so I think we're just, we feel really lucky what's, that that is us. You what's, know? what's nice is that, and I've said this from the start, like every decision, everything that's happened in a relationship has happened organically. We met, we said, I love you a month in. We just happened to move each in with each other three months after that. We, you know, like we decided together to get engaged and at the same time, like he lives his life. I live my life. I would never say to him like, oh, I don't want you traveling so much. Like do whatever the hell you need to do because that's your career. And I love seeing you successful. That's part of the reason why I love you. But at the end of the day, like, you know, when we go on vacation, it's so much better because like, we know that they're so happy because we've let that person grow into the, who they want to become. You know what I mean? And I think it just so happened that this kind of like reinforced the fact that like, we're good to each other. Like, what's another year? Like, it doesn't matter. Like, we're still going to be with each other. It's not like if we don't get married soon, I'm going to, like, wither away. Like, we're just going to be older. Fatter. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully you're not fatter. You have to come out of, like, with, like, a hot quarantine I wedding I already bod. started my wedding um, weight loss. So to, to that's true. if I go back, it's going to be, yeah, slippery slope. <laughs> I love my belly. <laughs> um, honestly, I'm so happy for you guys. I hope you have the best wedding. Sounds really fun. We've been friends for six years. How many years do you think? Six years. Six years, yeah. Sandy uh, was dating a friend of mine, which is how we first met. Mm-hmm. And I, we, so we were just both in de- separate relationships and were friends for many years before we were romantically involved. <laughs> <laughs> you know, a lot of people always talk about how they were like friends for a long time. And then like suddenly one day they realized they were in love. And I've never had that experience. I've always truly found somebody so like desperately attractive initially on meeting them, you know, if I ended up going on to date them. And did you guys have that experience where you, you know, you had a crush on on each other? (laughs) Definitely not. I don't think so. No, we had no idea. And also like we were friends, but we were not like best friends. Like we really didn't know that much about one another. Hannah was married before and I was at Hannah's wedding, but I was there as a plus one and really didn't know, like, didn't know her family, didn't know any of those people. So 
I always thought you were cool. Although I will say, okay, no, I do remember one thing we had. So I'm, I'm part of this like big group of friends who all went to college together and moved out here. And there's another guy in the group who had a girlfriend who was bisexual and always thought Sandy was cute or something. And, and like <laughs> at like some dumb drunken Hollywood bowl, like hot chip or something. She was like, I want to make out with Sandy. And you were like, I would do it. And I was kind of jealous. I think only because I was like, God, that's so wild and free. But I was married, you know? <laughs> it wasn't about me. It was about you. <laughs> no. <laughs> so do you guys remember the, the moment that you realized that you liked each other? Well, I'm, I, I remember distinctly the moment I realized I was in love with Hannah. Um, and it actually led to us uh, breaking up. <laughs> classic um because it was very complicated she was still in her marriage and once I realized that I fell in love with her I was like oh I don't want to ruin her marriage I need to like get away from this situation so we broke up and we actually didn't speak or at least I tried to ignore Hannah for like six months and she kept trying to reach out (laughs) well I think it's interesting like we were friends who had sex and then when you realized it was more than that. You were like, good night and good luck. See you never. Um, and because we both just had so much work to do on ourselves before we could be together. And I think you yeah. were like, she's never going to do that work. Um, and then I did. <laughs> she's a lost cause. <laughs> no, I didn't think she was a lost cause. I was just like, I, it was more about me. I was like, I just didn't want to be the person that like forces someone to kind of like upend their life. I, and maybe it was more that I was like, I don't know if I'm like deserving of this love, you know it's it was a weird thing where I was just like how do you deal with I don't know yeah somebody who's already in a relationship (laughs) with someone else yeah and also in a relationship that like we had sort of tried to set the rules for like being non-monogamous and didn't really follow them which was the problem like Mm -hmm. we weren't we didn't have the right kind of honesty or communication that we needed to make that a thing so you know so basically, just to kind of clarify the storyline, yes, <laughs> it's like, yes. Hannah, you were married to a guy and you guys decided to open up your relationship at some point after you were already married. Yes. And then. So, you know, I think we pretended that we were, you know, doing the things that you needed to do to have like a successful open relationship, but the big problem was probably that I was not even, I wasn't honest with myself that I was just gay. I I think like non-monogamy on one hand, it it can totally work. And on the other hand, it can be used to like try to fix a relationship that isn't meant to be um, used the wrong way. And I think we did it the wrong way, but it was still like, I guess kind of the right way because it led us to being together. I don't know. But essentially we, I had an open marriage with my husband with my ex-husband and then when I realized I was like fully in love with Sandy it was nobody else in the whole world I would do anything it needed I needed to do which was a lot by the way um to get her back I was like you know I felt I had to make that decision it was really hard in fact probably I wouldn't have been able to make it without my mom and sisters being like I think you I think you know you don't have to do this to keep other people happy Right. That's so complicated because 
I mean, I imagine if you're married, like you were saying, it's almost you're trying to resist the reality of being gay because it just feels I imagine it can feel like, oh, my God, it's going to totally explode my life. It would be so much more convenient <laughs> if this wasn't right. true. Um, so, you know, obviously they uh, now you guys have gotten married. What were your guys' ideas about marriage before this? I know, Hannah, obviously you'd been married before, but did you guys have um, – was it something that you guys always thought that you would do? And how did you make the decision to do it? Um, I'll just start with, I have, there's a lot of ways to answer this, but I'll say first and foremost, even though I ha got married once before and had a big wedding and like wore a white dress and it was like very traditional, I never grew up thinking about that. But I did it once before and it was definitely sort of to appease my family. Um, and so the second time I was like, my dream is for it to like feel like myself, like honest to who I am and what, what a celebration of my love would be. Well, for us, I mean, it was, so Hannah, I think you did have a moment at one point where you were like, I don't know, marriage is kind of bogus. I don't know if I believe in it. Um, while you were going through like, um, you know, ending your previous marriage and having never been married, I was like, you know, this is something I could see myself doing. And like, having also gone through the experience of like seeing what an open relationship looks like, I was like, I don't really want to do that again. I don't want to be involved in something like that again. So I knew like, if I'm committing, I'm committing. Uh, so for me, when she said she wasn't sure about marriage, I was like, well, I want it. I think too, you kind of came around to the idea. You're like, yeah, you know, we want to build a future together and we do want to have a family, which legally we want to be like together. Yeah, so that I nothing wanna, can happen. I want it just to be like, recognized in all the ways like I don't know I just to me at least from where I'm from I don't know that people think of queer people as serious like or as their relationships as being serious or sort of think of it as more like frivolous and I, I just see you as my wife and my partner and I wanted to call you my wife before we were married and you were like I don't want you to use that word so you know I, I'm like well I want that's the until way, we were married until we were until married. we're married until we're married and and I for me, it's more of like a signal more of like what our relationship is to me because I already know like you're my fucking person, but I want the rest of the world to also recognize that and to for us to have those the benefits that, you know, others are granted. That makes sense. It's not like you want to prove it to the world because that that's I think has a negative connotation, but it's almost like you want to say like we are committed to each other and that there's something exciting in that commitment. I... My, that I get that more as an adult, you know, as someone who's 34. When My relationship to marriage has changed over time, though. Like, I remember when I was younger, I just assumed you I would get married because that's what everybody does, you know. And my mom got married, right? Like, and my mom got married when she was 25. And I remember having this conversation with my friends when we were, like, teenagers and being like, you know, my mom got married when she was 25, but I think that's a little early for me. So I'll probably do 27 and then I'll probably have kids at like 29 because <laughs> yes. like, you don't, I don't want to be an old mom. Like, you know how you have all these ideas that they're not based in reality at all because you like just got your period like four days ago. <laughs> <laughs> and then, 100%. And then I had that kind of phase where I was just like, I don't want to get married because that's like basic and like, I'm not basic, you know, it's another sort <laughs> yeah. of reactionary phase. Yeah. And then I think as I get older, what seems exciting to me about it is like the idea of committing to something actually does seem exciting. The idea to be like set to celebrate that your so relationship exciting. and the commitment 
feels romantic. And it's almost like I laugh at myself being like, the idea of marriage sounds romantic because I think I would have laughed at myself in the past for saying that. But I do <laughs> yeah. think there's it's kind of romantic. Do you think that? I totally do. Yeah. And, and I think in some ways, potentially also a little bit radical now. <laughs> it feels kind of radical because it's like we can change this institution to be something that's potentially like more balanced. Like I think there is something to say about two women getting married like we share our we share the labor in the household there's no assumption that like one of us is the default like breadwinner or the default by gender there's no assumption of that and i think that that's something that feels very radical to like not have to deal with those kinds of separations of power i guess right what you just said reminded me you know a handful of years ago when when the country was fighting for gay people to have the right to get married you know obviously like the slogan was marriage equality and Rebecca Solnit but I've always um I've always liked her writing and she wrote this article on Harper's about how the term marriage equality doesn't just mean that gay people can get married it's this new institution where marriages are you know at, at some level a marriage of equals because it's a marriage of people of the same gender. Whereas like, even if you feel like you personally are not buying into a patriarchal system, that that stuff is ingrained in us, no matter what. It's like starting from scratch, you rethink everything because we do have these gendered roles and relationships, whether or not we even realize it. Like, you know, I'm in a long-term relationship with a guy now and I've always dated men, but I had one serious relationship with a woman and as an adult. And I remember... It was so weird because I was like, I didn't realize that I had certain expectations based on gender that were just so, no, quote, normal because that I had never questioned them. And that like the idea of be, of that gay marriages actually make the rest of us question gender roles in relationships because there's these new examples of you know, quote, non-traditional ways of doing everything, like having kids, like childcare, house labor, what the marriage itself actually looks like, what you wear on your wedding day, all these other things. I think that's totally like hits the nail on the head for how we think of our relationship, our life, our, our you know, even down to the way we got married is sort of like very much on our own terms. I think like being grainment of the patriarchy in relationships it's true even in ours I mean like we do have to do some negotiation about like like professional priorities and different things like that there's a lot of discussions we have to have but I just think we're a bit more sensitive to them potentially being like in a, in a same-sex relationship but it doesn't take away the work it doesn't have yeah, to do it definitely work. doesn't take it away there have been conversations where you've been like part of the patriarchy right now. I think I did actually tell Hannah that she was you were you did part of the patriarchy at one point. I did, you did. <laughs> and I don't feel it's proud of that comment. Let me just... It's okay. It's it, I honestly it, it it made me reflect a lot. So tell me about your wedding. What was the plan before her COVID hit and then how were did your plans change? We were like, okay, we're going to go to the courthouse on May 22nd and just do a civil like quick paper the deal and we'll just bring our two moms as the witnesses and then we'll just have a fun dinner and then later in the summer we were going to rent out El Cid and have like a crazy fucking Dance disco. Party. Sandy being like the very rule sort of uh goal oriented person that she is like the day that we were out like you ha you have to get your marriage certificate um, and you then you have like 30 days or something to 90, get, 90 you have 90 days. days to get married and like the 
like 90 days before May 22nd, Sandy was like, okay, we're going to go to the courthouse today and get our marriage certificate. (laughs) So we went like the day we were eligible. (laughs) So then the lockdown happened and they said LA was going to be on lockdown till May 15th. So we were like, well, I guess our courthouse date's pretty safe, pretty good. I guess we'll be back in action by May 15th, um, which obviously is not the case and became clear very quickly that it was not. Well, um, part of the reason we, the courthouse would have been special with our families there, but if it's the courthouse and it's just us getting married with like some civil servants, that seemed kind of depressing. like full hazmat gear? No. Yeah. With like face masks. And we're like, <laughs> nah, we don't want to do that anymore. So we started to come up with a new plan, which luckily we had the license so we could have Um, anybody who's an ordained minister so a friend of ours got ordained and also we I personally was like had never thought about what kind of wedding I wanted so when it came down to like oh we're actually kind of now planning a real ceremony like even at our planned wedding that we were gonna do like instead of a cake cutting we were gonna do a pinata full of pre-rolled joints like we were like every step of the way we wanted to be like something funny and something that everyone would be like oh my god that's so Hannah them and Sandy. <laughs> so when it came to planning this thing we like kind of like we looked up online like how do you plan a your own wedding ceremony <laughs> and it was like so then we started like getting like going, Yahoo answers yeah oh and they much. are yes. they're, they're not far oh off oh my god yeah in a real rush to the end basically of the story and also to the actual wedding just pulled it all together in like one week yeah we had like our two chicest lesbian friends like put all the flowers in the backyard and then we had our one friend who's really good at taking pictures like take our pictures before we went over there and the sort of only like ritually thing that we ended up doing was we got a bunch of california poppy seeds that we mailed to our family members who couldn't be here and so we planted a like poppy feel in our best friend's backyard during the ceremony and kind of like asked our family who couldn't be with us to like to do the same and originally so in our original plan the only people that were going to be present during the actual civil ceremony were going to be our immediate family um but then it wound up that we're like well we're gonna do a zoom wedding i guess we can invite like because we had our family zooming in so we're like well i guess we can invite a couple other people so we wound up inviting like closer friends and family and um so Talk yeah, to them on an iPad. Being like so much more <laughs> like romantic and sweet than we had ever planned. And that was so, it was unexpected. I think it wound up better. I was really depressed for a long time about our families not being there. And I'm, it's still sad to me. And like, we still haven't seen them either, which sucks. But hopefully soon we'll get to see some fam. And we still plan on having our big dance party, but we think it has to be after the vaccine, which yeah, hopefully will be by sure. next summer. We want to like, for it to be like sweaty and like, we want Messy people to feel hell. that they could be gross. Yeah. <laughs> yes. You can't do a social distance that, dance party. It's depressing. That ain't happening no. soon. You you decided yeah. to do it. You're in your friend's backyard. Your friend officiated. And then and then, how many people zoomed in? And what were they looking at? Where do you put the computer? So, <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, <laughs> the computer was on the ground. It was an iPad. And it was propped up by a Modelo bottle. bottle. So we were standing underneath this disco ball that we have like a a long personal story with. Like six feet away from us was the friend who was officiating. And then like 12 feet away from like that little cluster was on one side, a couple of friends who live at the house. And then on the other side, the officiant's husband. And then in between those two groups was the iPad. And 
we just we can send a photo. <laughs> yeah, we can send a photo. Um, we'll draw a diagram. Yeah, yeah. So, anyways, so we had the the friend who was the officiant. She got she got her license, and and then um, kind of like we we um, walked in our best friend whose backyard we got married in Luke. Um, Luke walked our dog Henry down the aisle. Um, and then we walked in and we did, we did it. Yeah. We didn't really exchange vows because we wrote, we like the, we exchanged vows on paper. We wrote letters to each other and we were like, we're not fucking performing this shit. Yeah. So we just exchanged the (laughs) letters. Yeah. And then, uh, and then she pronounced us married and we smooched and then we said hello to everybody on the iPad for a little while. And then we shut that all down and we had a a dance party, which was party in the backyard. Very, uh, cathartic. It was nice. (laughs) I mean, what a fucking weird world that we're living in right now that this is how people are getting married. But it's so I think I I mean, I love these stories, all of the stories of people doing these like epic things in their life over Zoom and how it still feels kind of epic in a way. It's there's still something that translates. And like, I guess I would ask, what do you feel like you lost? But what do you feel like you gained if you feel like you gained anything? We, I, the gaining thing is really easy, is the easier answer because for me at least, because I think we always thought of the sort of, we kept calling it like, we're going to paper the deal. And so we, what we gained then was like this, like sort of way more romantic notion of what it was going to be. And like, we got this like much more magical, beautiful celebration instead of just going to like a courthouse and, and it being like sort of stark and cold. So Honestly, we gained, I think, way more than we lost. Yeah. I'm trying to I mean, we lost, what we lost is not being able to celebrate with our immediate family, like our parents and my brother and Hannah's siblings. And that's a bummer. But, you know, we did all these weird things afterwards where we had a lot of like, well, not weird. We had a Zoom rehearsal dinner with our family the night before. And then we had some other like Zoom Zoom family family gathers and stuff. I mean, it's been nice. We're spending way more time, like, with your family than I feel. Like, cause, yeah. okay, I can say from a wedding weekend perspective, which I've had before, <laughs> you get to talk to every, you know, every family member that comes and every friend of yours that comes, you talk to them for five minutes. Right. Well, because we didn't have that, now we have these, like, four-hour Zooms where it's, like, uh, like really getting to know your family. I don't know. Yeah, like, yeah. sometimes it's They're, like, an hour. They're not four some... hours, but to her, they feel <laughs> like four hours. <laughs> Your wedding sounds like it was really silly, like, and in a really nice way. Were you guys surprised at how, like, emotional or epic or connected it felt, even though people were, like, zooming in over an iPad? Yeah. I mean, when we started talking to people on the Zoom, I broke down. I, like, lost my mind. because I just not really cry that much. I don't cry that much, and I just got so emotional just seeing all those people there that were there for us, and, like something about it just it was weird it was on an ipad which normally i'm like not a techie person so normally it would just be like whatever i was like oh hi everybody and then for some reason i just saw one of my best friends from high school and college and he he's off in um pennsylvania and i just saw him and i was just like oh and just like lost it so happy and yeah it was the substance and like it was not without levity but it was like you know, none of the frivolity, none of the like other bullshit traditions of it was like exactly us. Every single thing we did, every like Joni Mitchell song that played, <laughs> every person was like, it was so y'all. Like, I am very cheesy and romantic. And like every day I feel like 
um, I'm a mouse waking up in a, a like fucking Disney Sleeping Beauty or something, being like, today is a beautiful day, and I get to live with this woman. Like ever since I came out, I'm like, oh, every day I wake up and I'm grateful for it, you know. And I'm like, I can't believe we get to be together. So I knew that like a celebration of that and just being like, you know, look, getting all dolled up for the only time all year <laughs> would feel yeah. nice and feel like. Putting momentous. on real Yeah, putting on, <laughs> I will say, like shoes with a little heel, which has been the only non-Birkenstock I've worn in truly six months, was mm-hmm. epic. Like you can't, that can't not be epic. <laughs> <laughs> right. It's amazing. So many people obviously are dealing with what you guys were dealing with was our wedding plans, you know, like a the universe threw a wrecking ball into our wedding plans and what do we do and i think that it's forcing people to examine like what about the marriage is the important part and is like actually being married important enough that we should do it now and like obviously this is what you guys decided to do you like pushed off the dance party but you wanted to be married now and why was it important to not put off that part of it? I think it's our context. We wanted to get married in April, May-ish because I'm working on my PhD, so I'm gone in a different state. So I'm gone from September until basically April for the next two years. We wanted to get married at the beginning of the summer, basically, so that we could have three or four months together married. We could have waited until next year, but I think the, we the want truth, to start having a family next year. We want to start a family. We also were just like, we were already pretty impatient about getting married. Like, as Hannah mentioned earlier, she wanted to start calling me wife, like, the day we got back together. <laughs> <laughs> but I think we just wanted to start this life together. We were really excited to do it. Like, even from the second we got engaged, we were like, oh, my God, we're, this is, like, this is it. This is, like, now we can start this phase of our lives. And we were both so excited to do that. Um, so it was like, let's just sign this paperwork and get on with our lives as a married couple. Yeah, I think that we wanted to be married. And I I think it, it goes back to the thing that we were like talking about earlier um, about our relationship or our marriage or as being radical is like we want to buy a house and like we like want to have like a sustainable garden and like Sandy sews clothes <laughs> and just like have our like little country, you know, like it's, I, I think we just wanted to have that. I, I mean, I wanted to just have that. Yeah. That makes sense to me. We were like, we have all this stuff planned and like, this is the beginning of like what feels like motion into the future of our lives. And something that I feel like has been really difficult for me during this whole period is feeling like my life stalled in a lot of ways. You know, me and my boyfriend were in escrow buying a house and my parents like these flights planned to come visit, see our new house. And then when all this happened, my job got postponed basically. So I wasn't working on it anymore. And then we had to pull out of the house actually because we were in the house getting the um, inspection done. You know how like the inspectors come over and we're all wearing masks. Yeah. <laughs> I was looking at my phone and I saw that Tom Hanks got coronavirus and I was like, is shit going to get fucked for me? Like, it felt like <laughs> suddenly oh, real God. in that exact moment. And I was just like, I'm desperate for ways now to feel like my life is moving forward. And stable. That's a really good point too. And like, I feel like I can imagine in your guys' shoes why I'd 
would want to be like, no, like this was the beginning of our future. And I don't want to stall that because everything in my life is fucking stalled. Yeah, no, that's totally true. And honestly, we've had not, we weren't an escrow on a house, but we had a similar situation and where we were pretty far down the line with a house. And then this all happened and we really took like a look at, at, at and just were scared about like, you know, that it just because you're able to perhaps make a mortgage payment right now doesn't mean in a year you'll still be able to. And I think like reckoning with all of that and truly feeling like, oh, are we gonna have to like all these other th- things do sort of feel like they're on hold. Yeah. It gave our little, our house, our lives, like a little burst of energy to like get through, I think like a very hard, sad time. Now we do get to wake up with like a weird sil- silver lining of being like, hi wife, hi wife. <laughs> I know it's so fucking cheesy. I, Sandy's like cringing, but it like no. makes me so like that fills my whole body with warmth and excitement. And then I get to start every day with that feeling. And during this time, I need a lot of that kind of like emotional re like filling of my well, because it can be so draining um, being alive in 2020. Well, thank you so much for listening to our final episode. I hope you liked it. And I hope you like the podcast in general. I had so much fun making it. Loving Quarantine is created and produced by me and Rachel Rapkin. Produced in partnership with Blue Duck Media. And shout out to our squad there. Tasha Babbers, Zuri Irvin, Matt Ford, and Gabe Goodwin. It's a great squad. (laughs) Okay. Um, Happy quarantine, I guess. (laughs) Bye.